This podcast is proudly brought to you by Annotate Agency, a team of creatives passionate about introducing clients to the transformative impact of creative digital marketing. Please go check them out, guys. We are back, back in the recording studio for a chat with Pat, and I'm so, so happy to have a great mate of mine joining me to my left. I've been working on this for a while, Commonwealth Games bronze medalist, all-round great man. I'll say it so many times. Lukey Matthews, thank you for coming on, mate. I've been working on this for a bit. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I reckon you probably hit me up maybe like... <laughs> when it started. Yeah, probably early on. And then I think we probably had, what, 15 lockdowns between then? <laughs> yeah, oh, to 20, I reckon. <laughs> and then we tried to get it going. Uncle Dan just would cut our dream short. Yeah, I know. We could have just done it over Skype, but yeah, this, this is yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been, man? How have you been? Like, how are things overall? Um, uh, how's it been going? Yeah, pretty good. Um, I feel like... I don't know, I feel like my career and everything has kind of just been up and down like with COVID. Mm. So I'm sure we'll probably get into it a little bit later. But yeah, yeah I mean, dealing with a pandemic, <sighs> which has been pretty pretty average on every front, like, you know, seeing mm. family and, and just, you know, the, being able to travel and just all the little things. Uh, but at the same time, pretty much since what coincided with the pandemic was mm. pretty much a string of like 24 months of injuries. So, um, yeah, I mean, away from that, I can't really complain too much. Life's pretty good. I'm just not that fit and I just haven't got too many results on the horse. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it's good. I think it's kind of been good to, um, you know, put things into perspective and it's kind of, I was forced to look at things outside athletics and um, and then also spend a bit of time just looking, watching TV because I had nothing else to do the last <laughs> two years. <laughs> now, um, for the bit of backdrop, if we want it right back, um, some people may not know about how we first met. Um, you, well, I claim you and some of us boys claim you was a Portland boy, but you're <laughs> Southwest Victorian, aren't you? So. Yeah, I, I think so too. It's, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. So, um, for the people that don't know, not that many people yeah. would, but, um, but yeah, so my, my cousin who's, uh, I think a month older than me, he, him and his family moved down to Portland, I reckon, oh, it's pretty much for as long as I could. maybe, mm. maybe he was, maybe Mika was born in Portland. I'm not too sure, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so it pretty much every school holidays, summer holidays, yeah, Christmas holidays, Easter holidays, I'd go down to Portland, and uh, I used to think that Portland, I just hate, I hated going down to Portland, <laughs> cold, hate, yeah, windy, cold, windy, four or five hour drive to get there, and then I reckon I hit about year seven, year eight, and I started to realise what Carlton Draft was. Mika's top balcony, big uh, yeah. top floor, and uh, I realised that. Uh, all the blokes that Mika went to school with and played footy with were actually decent blokes. <laughs> and then instead of uh, wanting to stay in Melbourne for school holidays or cr- Christmas holidays, I'd be like, yeah, let's get down to Portland. And um, I feel like even though I'd only see you guys maybe three or four times a year for, you know, a week or the most at a time, I felt like I had a, a good friendship group down there. So, so yeah, that's how we met. Um, I just remember a few, like 16th, even 18th, everyone would just come up and say, Oh yeah, Mika's cousin, Mika's cousin, Lukey, Lukey, <laughs> just yeah, always asking yeah. me about it. And it was funny though, because we ex- this is actually a funny story as well. So me and Mika actually got called out because we um we we, cu- we were cousins, but and our, both our last names are Matthews. But I'm Matthews with one T, and he's Matthews That's with two T's. T's. And when people would put that together when we added each other on Facebook, they were like, "You're not cousins." <laughs> but it's funny though because our our mums are sisters, sisters with yeah. Davy. They both married Matthews. Matthews with one T, Matthews with two T's. <laughs> Weird. Um, but yeah, love Portland. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like you know Mick has moved away, and a lot of you guys have come to Melbourne. So um, I haven't wouldn't have been to Portland since I reckon 2016 when you boys won the 
premiership Flat. that year. Oh, yeah, yeah, 20, 2012, actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, there I was, was a, oh the, the, yeah, we'll get on to that. The yeah. Tiradara boys, was yeah. it? Yeah. yeah that's the, when I um I joined in on um I joined in on Mad Monday and Silly Silly <laughs> Sunday and I wasn't even part of the team. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh yeah, I missed that joint and you definitely left your mark there, let's say with yeah, um, I, discovering yeah. Carlton drafts amongst many yeah, other things. They were um yeah, I used to yeah, some big nights. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I would peel it right back, mate, your upbringing and growing up in Newport, so Western Suburbs, yep. um, how was that for you? And then how did that emerge into becoming the, the runner and the amazing athlete that you are, I guess? Yeah, so I, I have always been Western Suburbs. So uh, early on, I actually grew up in, I grew up in Werribee early on and then probably when I was 11, moved to Newport and then from 11 until... 25, I was kind of Newport, Altona North, Yarraville. Um, but yeah, so just, yeah, that's, that's, that's where mum and mum and dad grew up. And um, I was, I was always, pre- I was always a pretty talented junior at both footy and athletics. Uh, and yeah, if you had to ask me when I was like 12, um, I was probably going to be the only bloke ever to win an Olympic gold and win a Brownlow, <laughs> maybe in the same year. That's how confident I was. Um, but then, yeah, by the time I got to yeah 16 or 17, I, I quickly realised that you, you got to pick one. But uh, but yeah, probably when I was in, when I was in uh, grade five, uh, so I was 11 years old. I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to a to a big private school in um, in Turak, and 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 yeah, that I reckon I'm pretty sure that like I, I think that that was probably one of the things that made me stay interested in the sport for so long because, because I was there for sport, although I was there for, for my academics too. It, it, um, it forced me and kind of kept me accountable to, to keep doing the sport up until year 12. And, and then, yeah, pretty much from the, from the year that I finished school onwards, it's kind of been a, a pretty upward trajectory until the last couple of years with um, competing overseas and, um, you know, having some um, big achievements under my belt. So... So yeah, but just a just a humble boy from Western <laughs> Suburbs who, who went to went to school in Turak. <laughs> St. Kevin's, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah St. Yeah, Kevin's. Yeah. So yeah, got a got a bad rep of, of the last few years. <laughs> it's been in the news. Um but yeah, I can't really fault my 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 education there and um a lot of the stuff that happened that's been in the news of late has been was kind of a lot after my time. Mm. Um but yeah, they've had, they're having a big rebranding and a re imaging at the moment. Yeah. So um when you were growing up and I guess when you're juggling footy and running, when you made that decision to go into running, was it always the feedback that you got from running that you thought, well, I'm more talented than this? Or like what kind of made that decision when you had to make that decision? Yeah, it's funny. Like I feel like I kind of had that decision and kind of crossroads maybe when I was about 16. Uh, And so it was through year 10. uh, And at the time I was 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 playing pretty decent junior football, uh, just, you know, local and kind of interleague. Uh, and then at the same time, I was also um, at, a, at a level where I could compete nationally. I, I wasn't winning nationals, but I was probably finishing, I reckon in year 10, I probably finished fifth. Yeah. So, you know, at a, at a decent level. Uh, and I remember having a decision kind of halfway through year 10 where I spoke to mum, because my mum was my coach at the time. And I said, look, I think that I want to, I think that I actually want to give footy a go. Like I really want to, I really want to give it a crack. Wow. And that, that was a perfect time for young footballers because that's, uh, in year 11, so the year you turn 17, that's when you can make the, the TAC Cup. Yeah. I think it's now the NAB League. But um, I got given an opportunity where I could play, uh, could, you know, hopefully make that team. And I sort of thought, you know, screw it. I would put everything I can into all my eggs into one basket and try and make the uh, the TAC Cup team with the Western Jets. Mm. And then hopefully that'll, 
give me a good grounding over the next two years to hopefully be drafted by the tail end of 2013. And um, so, yeah, I, I gave it a good crack and I, I, I thought that I was, you know, my hopes and goals was that I'd one day play in the AFL and one day make a list and, um, you know, do everything that, you know, you see the stars doing now. Uh, and it was funny, so I ended up making the final squad of 50 uh, and this would have been, you know, the, the start of 2012. And I remember I played my first played my first practice game against Oakley Chargers, played played pretty average, just okay, like no, nothing great. And then I remember I played the week after, we played Calder Cannons uh, in, yeah, Calder Cannons in a practice match. And I remember I was playing on the wing, I was, you know, getting a little bit of the ball, not too much. And I remember just having this like split second decision in the third quarter. I was like, I don't fucking know if I want to do this anymore. Like, yeah. I think I want to go back to running. And pretty much from there, afterwards, I sat down with mum. Mum's, yeah, kind of been a bit of a foundation in life, you know, everywhere. And I sat down with her and um, I think having that chat with mum, it probably made me realise that whatever whatever I did, whether it was whether it was footy, whether it was running, whether it was hockey, what, whatever the sport was, I always wanted to do something at the highest level. Mm. And I think for me, I probably had that realisation. Maybe it was in that game or maybe it was just a decision I made throughout the whole pre-season that... Whatever sport I wanted to do, I wanted to do it at the highest level. And I think, I think for me, maybe at the time it was, it was okay. Maybe one day I can make the Olympics, but I'm not sure if I can make AFL. So I think, I think that there, when I was, yeah, I was 16 or 17, which is a pretty young age yeah. to have a crossroad like that. It was that moment where I was like, yeah, I think I can make the Olympics. I'm not sure if I can make AFL. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the crossroads. And then pretty much from 2012 onwards, it's been. 24-7 running I mean it's it's obviously come with its challenges and times where I've had to question my, my time in the sport as well but but yeah pretty much from then onwards I turned my back on footy and tried to do everything I could in athletics um yeah I'm not not quite sure yeah maybe if I had a blinder in that game against Cole <laughs> yeah Cannons, it been I'd different. be getting ready for for round t- round three of the AFL <laughs> but yeah now I'm uh trying to rehab my my uh my cooked yeah. Achilles. <laughs> yeah, you talk about your mum being a great foundation for just yourself as a man, but also do do you remember that conversation with her and how, or how that went, or not necessarily? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough one. I can't remember it exactly, but yeah, I feel like mum was always the one that was like the driving force, and that's not saying that dad wasn't, but mum was always the one that was more vocal about it, and yeah, like if I got in trouble at school. She was the disciplined one. If I, yeah, she was the one. She <laughs> making was, the big calls, yeah. the tough calls. Yeah, it's a bit like when people, you know, you go to one parent who says yes, and the yeah. other parent yeah, says that, no. Yeah, <laughs> dad was probably a bit more lenient in that way. Uh, but yeah, I think with that, it was probably one of those moments. Um, sorry, yeah, with uh, with mum. Sorry, just going back to that. Yeah, um, yeah, mum was just always been that person that that has always been the one, you know, getting a kick up my ass. And she's probably always been the one that said, hey, you can do this. And she's always been the first one to say, you know, you shouldn't be doing this or you've been a dickhead doing this, whatever. <laughs> so she's been the one, you know, if I look back to my first ever national championships, she wasn't my coach at the time, but yeah. she was the one that was revving me up. And she was the one that was saying, hey, this is possible. Uh, but yeah, with mum, she's, she's, I've had, I've had two stints of her, be, of her being my coach. Mm. Uh, one through my junior career and then one in my senior career. So, so yeah, I, I, I could honestly say that if I didn't have mum in my corner, I, yeah, I could, yeah, if I didn't have mum in my corner, I don't think I probably would have got to the levels I would have in athletics. I don't think that I probably would have gone to a private school or stayed in a private school. And I don't think that I, 
Yeah, I probably wouldn't have finished my degree. That being said, I haven't finished my degree. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I definitely wouldn't be on my way. To on ninth year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'd go for the ten, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I guess mum as a coach is she different to what you say, or is she the same person? Is that bring its challenges in itself? As yeah, well? it's it's a tough one. It's it's really hard because both times when she coached me was one when I was a little bit when I was just a, a young, immature kid, probably from the age of let's say 16 or 17 until I was 19 turning 20 drinking drafts yeah yeah (laughs) so and then the second time was she coached me from 2017 so I was 22 until June Mm. June this year uh so yeah four years and yeah let's call it three and four years or something like that uh the first time that was a tough one because yeah I was such a young kid and I was in year 11 year 12 all I wanted to do was yeah like realistically I wanted to enjoy myself but I also wanted to compete at a high level and it was often mum saying like you can't really have both all the time and you can't have you you might be able to have both at different times of the year but um so yeah it was more mum saying you know get out the door and (laughs) actually get training and then the second time when she coached me it was more she almost had to pull me back a little bit because I wanted to work too hard or train too hard and but yeah I think the one thing that mum and I clashed on was that yeah, I think that uh, I'm I'm pretty social, and I do like I do like my Saturday nights, and I, I do like having a beer. So I'd say that a lot of the fights that we had, and a lot of the disagreements we had, was around that. But yeah, I think it was pretty tough because for both times, pretty much for all of it, I was living at home. Yeah, and yeah, um, I always say to a lot of people, like, imagine living with your with your coach of a footy team. It's just it's a tough mm. dynamic. So. Um, Let alone your mum and your coach. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Or I say, yeah, imagine your dad coaching you, so or your mum coaching you. So, yeah, it came with the challenges. Um, but yeah, it was at the time it was kind of one of those situations where I didn't know, really know too much better. And you know, I, I'd say that if anything, it was probably where I didn't achieve certain things when I was coached with mum. It was probably more my mistakes as opposed to her. Um, you felt that, you learned that the second stint as you got older as an athlete or it, was it just a, a gradual development of like your ins- insight and how you were then? Yeah, probably just a bit of both. Just because the, from the first time I was pretty young and I didn't really know what it, t- what it took to get to a high level. Yeah. And then the second time, um, yeah, there was often situations where I'd want to tr- do things a little bit harder or do more yeah. and she'd have to pull me back. Um, but yeah, the... the the common denominator was that I had to be a little less social. Uh, but, yeah, now looking back, I mean, I, I left – sorry, I don't say I left. We we decided that we, I was going to join a new coach in June, July. And, um, yeah, probably been a bit of time to reflect every now and then where I've just been like, yeah, shit, I did this wrong or I should have acted a little bit differently here. And then uh, on, on the flip side, I'm sure that mum has times where she's like, oh, shit, I should have done better here and I should have done this differently. So, but, yeah um, – but yeah, we still had some um, had some great years together, and yeah. we we got we achieved some some massive things together. You did you certainly did? When was uh I guess when was the first I guess event where you thought, well, I could really compete at the highest level for running? I know you mentioned your junior career, and you weren't quite you know you were thereabouts. But yeah. I guess as a as you were turning a bit older, when was the first real event race or moment where you thought, well, I can really turn this on the head? Yeah, it, it kind of I feel like that that's it, that in athletics it kind of happens like multiple times because uh, I feel like early on when you're a young kid a lot of it is natural talent so yeah you know when I was in year four year five and I was doing a little bit of training and other people weren't doing too much training or you know maybe they're doing the same levels 
probably noticed there that I was a lot more talented than other kids. And mind you, we're only year four or year five, so it doesn't matter how, quick, how yeah. quick I was. But back when I was in year five, um, I remember writing things in my diary saying I'm going to go to the 2012 Olympics. <laughs> I was going to be 17. Um, so, yeah, I remember back then thinking, yeah, like I, I could probably make something bigger this. But also mm. at the same time, I thought that I could probably play AFL as well. Yeah. Uh, but I reckon I think the biggest the, the, the biggest moment for me was probably – I reckon in 2015, yeah. uh, although my mindset was, yeah, let's make the Olympics, let's do these big things, let's, you know, try win a national championships, whatever it might be. I went to Europe in 2015, and I, I like to call that my, like, apprenticeship year because mm. it was my first year being a senior. Um, and in 2014, I'd gone to the World Juniors. And then in 2015, I was in a bit of a lull. I wasn't quite sure what was happening, but I joined a new coach and a more professional team after, after leaving mum. Uh, and I went to Europe and I kind of learnt the tricks of the trade and what it took to get to the next level. So I did seven weeks in Europe. I raced a few times, raced just okay. And then when I came back, I thought, you know what, like I think I might be able to actually do this if I just really get my mind together over the next four or five months. And, um, yeah, I got back in at the start of August. I had pretty much the tail end of August off, just easy jogging. And then pretty much once September 1st hit, I just went, um, as hard as I could thinking you know what I'm going to try and make these next Olympics and I reckon it was probably maybe December or January so December 2015 or January 2016 where I was training in Falls Creek and training with a big group and I was able to keep up with them I thought shit maybe I can do something special this, yeah, this year constant feedback like yeah yeah, I'm getting better, yeah yeah and it's not it's not even just like people reminding you it's more like oh, I was training with these people 12 months ago and they were dropping me now yeah I'm yeah and even though it's tra- you don't like to compete in training but it's I feel like for me, if I'm training at a certain level, I usually compete at that level. Yeah. So it was a good indication. And then, yeah, my first race of 2016, I I had a blinder and, and beat people that had destroyed me the year before. And um, that kind of set up uh, everything that happened in 2016. But, uh, yeah, I reckon probably, yeah, it's – I thought when I was a young kid I could go to a high level. And then probably sometime in 2015 is when I started to – I probably trained blindly, just saying, yeah, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. But I probably didn't believe it properly until about 2015 or 2016. I always thought that one day I'd get there, but that was probably the moment for me where I was like, shit, I could maybe make something of this. Um, About the time when you qualified for the Olympics. Yeah, so I qualified in March of... For Rio? Yeah, Yeah. I qualified in March of 2016. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was that moment like once you kind of knew in that that lead up that you're going to the Olympics? Yeah, pretty awesome. Just because I was so young and naive, I was just running, going into every race. How old were you then? About so I turned twenty one. Yeah, I turned twenty one in June of twenty sixteen. So yep. all my qualifying race, I was twenty. Uh, but yeah, pretty cool. I mean, that year because I just trained so hard and I had so much momentum and so much confidence, and I was just so young. Just kind of went into every race, just expecting something big. Well, n- not even that. Just kind of going in, just thinking, yeah, like you know. Who knows? And I just ran so fearless and... This brash confidence, like, just didn't, didn't care. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was just like, yeah, just... Yeah, and I remember the, the race where I actually qualified, um, I raced against the world record holder and he was the 2012 Olympic champion and he ended up winning the Olympics in 2016. And I remember going into... He came to Melbourne specifically to race because he does it every year. And I remember specifically thinking, fuck, maybe I can beat this guy. Mm. And I remember thinking as well, I remember thinking, this is how 
stupid, I, no, naive <laughs> I was. I remember thinking, maybe my coach has set this up so I can win. And I remember, and I remember going into this thing and, fuck, I can win this. Anyway, fucking, yeah, he, he, he was jogging for 700 metres, then he decided to try. But yeah, that race specifically was awesome because I'd had a lot, I've had a fair bit of momentum. I'd raced about four or five times leading into it. And uh, I told my mates, all my family, pretty much everyone that I knew, I was like, I reckon I might be able to race at this. And I, yeah, so pretty much any Melbourne family member, a lot of my close mates came to the track and was fortunate enough to, to run the Olympic qualifying time. And uh, if you get the chance to have a look at the, uh, of the replay of that race, it's the 2016 Melbourne Track Classic. Uh, as they finish, they kind of go to Rhodesia and Radisha's kind of like looking over, like, what's happening? And you look over oh, and, I'm, I remember yeah, this. and yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm hugging, hugging. All, yeah, I'm hugging yeah, all yeah, my yeah, mates and the camera pans from him to like, you know, <laughs> and I'm just like going crazy and I'd come second. <laughs> so yeah, in terms of like that moment of qualifying, that was pretty incredible. I've had some, I've had some pretty, pretty cool moments in my yeah. career, but the first, that first time qualifying oh, and then being in front of pretty much every, all my cousins, uh, grandma, grandpa, uncles, and then also my close group of mates and, yeah, like, and, and being in Melbourne. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. So then the Olympics comes around. How's that experience, mate? Is it, I guess, a whirlwind? Like, how, how would you describe your, your Olympics experience, you know, as an athlete and as a man? Yeah, it was tough. It was, it was pretty tough. I, um... That, that year, it was pretty much no stopping. I just felt like I was just constantly going 24-7 athletics, yeah. constantly just training hard. And um, for the way to qualify for the Olympics is there's three spots, but the way to guarantee your selection is you, you run a qualifying time and you win nationals, yeah. and that's guaranteed. Yeah. They can't take that away from you. And that's what I was fortunately, I fortunately enough did. did. Yeah. So I ran that 800-metre time, and then I won the national championships about a month later. And the national championships went over four days from Thursday to Sunday. I competed on the Saturday and then I didn't compete on the Sunday. I was very hungover. <laughs> and then <laughs> I was very hungover on the, on the Monday too. But uh, we, my training group at the time, we went on the Monday. We had a nine o'clock flight to America to go straight into an altitude training camp. Wow. Yeah, so... Um, and the reason why I'm saying that is pretty much that year, I just didn't stop. Like, I hardly had a break. I hardly had any downtime and I just went... Full, full throttle all year round and um, went straight into a month training camp in the mountains in near San Diego in Southern California uh, and then I went straight from four-week training camp into Europe straight into European racing my first European race of the year I was fortunate enough to qualify for the 1500 for the Olympics uh, and I reckon pretty much from that 1500 meter race if you have a look at my results they pretty much went downhill pretty quickly and yeah I like the way that I look at it was that I don't want to label it as 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 I was pretty much I was pretty much just incredibly fatigued. Yeah, like I was just cooked. And just to get there, like people forget, just to get to the Olympics is just such a journey in itself. Yeah, it's just such a mission in itself. Yeah. yeah. So 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 I'm, I'm building this up. Yeah. To, but yeah, so pretty much um, yeah. So I was able to qualify. I got selected. But but yeah, because I was only I turned 21 in June. It's one of those. It was one of those things where. Everything I did was such a new experience. Mm. Instead of going into a race where I was, you know, just a, a lane filler, I was going into races think, saying, hey, like, you know, potentially I could get an Australian record here or mm. I could do this or I could or I could make the Olympics. So everything was a new... Even though it was a big physical... Ex physical physically draining. It was so emotionally draining oh. too. And for me personally, 
I think that I saw I was at the absolute bottom, like the absolute slump of that at the Olympics. Um, and although I wanted to like convince myself that I was in shape, looking back, like the month leading up to the Olympics, I was so stressed because I knew I knew I was I knew I was going to race pretty poorly. I was trying to convince myself otherwise. Um, so when I when I when I kind of explained the Olympic experience, it was at the time it was pretty average because I just knew I was going to race poor. I ended up racing poorly. And then it was kind of just a few days. I'm thinking, shit, like, kind of like question your whole livelihood in the sport. So I, yeah, I was pretty emotional after. So I ran the 800, ran shit house, ran the 1500, ran shit house. But the good thing about it was I had six days in Copacabana. Yeah, we'll get to that. (laughs) I was a a 21 year old. I was a 21 year old, just finished the Olympics. um, Had, yeah, yeah. So I, Spent a lot of time in <laughs> random Copacabana and Ipanema <laughs> beaches. So, but yeah, and then and then as well as that, the month after the Olympics, I was I was pretty I was pretty upset. Like I remember pretty much the only time I left, pretty much the only time I left my um, house was to, to go out. And you go out, yeah, yeah, go out. And I remember times where I literally just it's it's. Pre- I mean, like yeah, I look back now, I'm thinking, geez. But um, yeah, I remember times where like I was just. I literally it was I, I barely left my bedroom. Yeah. I was literally just watching TV in like a dark room, which yeah. looking back now is pretty grim. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, I was just so upset about it. And then it probably took me it probably took me a few months later to to look back and think, shit, like fuck, what I did was actually pretty yeah. a pretty big deal. Um, but then at the same time, like I mean, I got to I got to see Usain Bolt win his ninth Olympic mm. gold medal. Well, he won his seventh, eighth, and ninth. Um, I got to you know I got to hang out with um, I was I was in the Olympic Village. Uh, so I got to hang out with like the boomers, like yeah. Della Del Vadova had just come off. They the, came fourth. They came, yeah, yeah, they came yeah. fourth, but they'd just come off a, Della Del just won the NBA championship yeah. in Cleveland. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the first day I got there, a selfie with Manu Ginobili. <laughs> I was like, because like, I didn't know that he was Argentinian. Yeah. And I was thinking, fuck, that looks He would have like been Gen- going on then too. Like, well, yeah, well, like, I, think, yeah. I think the Spurs, I think, I think, yeah, the Spurs got beaten by the war. Yeah, they got pretty. Yeah, they, they, had, they had yeah. a playoff run that. I, I'm not sure if they made the um, Western Conference, but mm. but yeah, I was like, Fuck, that looks like Ginobili, and yeah. I didn't know if he was Argentinian or not. And then I, saw, I quickly had to Google it, and then I got it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then just just other things like mm. um, you know, Mac Horton had that like famous win, so yeah. just cool, just hanging out with people like that, and yeah, it's pretty amazing. Just just a, it's pretty much just it's pretty much just you know, ten thousand people living in one mm. spot. Um, all the best of their sport in their country, and then afterwards, yeah, and then afterwards. So, is it fair to say the Olympic Village is what they say it is like? You have to, <laughs> you have to give detailed experiences. But. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, honestly, the, but the Olympic Village it gets a lot better once you're done competition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good way of putting it. Yeah, but I don't know. It was weird for us though because Copacabana and Ipanema, which are like the the main like tourist spots. They were an hour from the village. Oh, wow. So every time we went out, it was an hour Uber there and an hour Uber back. And I remember getting Ubers at like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. Oh. And I was just thinking, oh, all I want to do is eat a pizza yeah. and go to bed. Pretty, it's like living in Melbourne when you come south side and go north side yeah. and get an Uber. Yeah. And it's just the worst driver. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, just, but yeah, go back to that. I mean, Olympic experience, it's one of those things where at the time living it, probably pre competition, I was really stressed and I probably, I, I remember even thinking I was hoping my coach would pull me out of the 1500 because I didn't want to get embarrassed again because I remember I probably shouldn't have done it but I remember reading articles about myself not not like trying to search for it I just come across my Twitter and stuff I remember yeah. thinking 
fuck, like I had people talking about that I was choking and then I was doing mm. this and I was, and then I was thinking, fuck, I, I hope I was hoping my coach would pull me out of the fifteen hundred. Wow. Um, but yeah, and then and then I got yeah, obviously got to enjoy the the fun side and I got to <coughs> see my teammates, you know, run well. And then I probably I'm I look back now and I can I can see it as a really not like a really valuable learning lesson yeah. about myself. Uh, and then at the same time, like it's it yeah probably parts of 2017 I was probably like yeah that would, doing that at the age of 20 and competing at 21 is such a massive achievement and uh, like now I think I was I was kind of embarrassed to call myself an Olympian because I came I think I came 30th and 46th which is shit house mm. but it's like you know I get to call myself an Olympian yeah. for the rest of my life so it's. Yeah, and, and that year, like, in, even in 2016, although I underperformed at the Olympics, I still, you know, still competed in Europe, won a few races, won a national championships, and, mm. um, yeah, kind of set up 2017, 2018, and, and so on. Yeah, so your national championships in the lead-up to it, if we go back to that, I remember I was actually re-watching it the other day, and we were talking about it. So you were coming, you were coming sixth at one point, and then you stormed home. Uh, yeah, yeah oh, it was... There was a fall early yeah, on, fall, so I yeah. got caught back, and then I was really far Something. back, and then the, the 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 fall happened, and then people, everyone, everyone like hesitated, and then I ended up getting into like the most perfect yeah. position. <laughs> <laughs> and and I remember, I think in one of those interviews, you said. Oh, one of my best is like the last 200 metres yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So you've always seen yourself as a strong finisher at yeah. that point. Yeah, well, I've always, I've always been like a, a strength or like aerobic athlete, so yeah. I feel like the, the back half is always my strongest, so... A lot of the races that I do, and that being said, I haven't had too many races in the past couple of years, but uh, when I was really, really fit, um, I, was, I was really good at negative splitting, so yeah. doing the second lap quicker. Um, so, yeah, that was my strength, um, but who knows? Hopefully by the time I'm fit again, i got a new strength because <laughs> I think in Australia, people started to realise that my tactic was to go on the back straight of the second <laughs> lap. Like Flemington. Yeah. <laughs> Not as quick. <laughs> and I remember, is this about the time when the Lukey celebrations, the gung-ho, and <laughs> they came into place? Because someone commented on that, one of those videos, that said, you would have got under 145 if you didn't celebrate. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, that's what made it fun. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's one of those things in the moment. I li- I really like, I mean, doing those celebrations. I look like a fucking flog. <laughs> I don't know. But that that's what it needs something in those yeah. events sometimes. That personality. Yeah, like I don't know. It's it's yeah. I'm I'm not really sure. I, I yeah. Well, that being said, I haven't won too many races. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think one of the things I used to like doing was celebrating and do it. And a lot of the time, it was. I think it used to come across maybe just like that I was confident or whatever, but. You know, I was so nervous, and a lot mm. of the time when I do those things, it was like I wasn't even thinking. Yeah, like, nah. but um, but yeah, I don't know. It just yeah, it had a bit of personality. I think yeah. to the sport for yeah. sure. I, I think I started doing it maybe in 2017. Um, a few people like it. A lot of people hate it. Nah, I don't yeah, know. Hopefully, when I'm, oh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> when I win a race again, I'll decide if I. But, but yeah, I did it. Did a couple of celebrations here and there, and then I used to um, yeah, I used to get my mind off it as well because I'm, I'm so I get so nervous. Yeah, I probably. You know, there's probably times where, like, you probably even call it, like, like sport anxiety type yeah. thing. And sometimes that stuff just puts my mind off it, so. You've got to celebrate your wins, for yeah. sure. As yeah. long as my friends and family like me, <coughs> screw yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, you're an Under Armour-sponsored athlete now. Um, I guess how – because people like, – there's not the shine as, like, the 100-metre, the yeah. sprints. 
I mean, how different is that and how hard is that for someone, I guess, who's run at middle, long distance, who's not like quite up there? Because I view it as that if you're not at the top echelon, you know, it's quite difficult. And I guess what would you change about sponsorship deals in track events and stuff like that? Yeah, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Under Armour. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm actually in a kind of an interesting point of my mm. contract right now. So I'm in my, I'm in, I'll find out in the next few days. I don't know when this, when, when this will get announced, but I'll find out soon about my option, which yeah. means like ultimately Under Armour get to decide if they want to keep me on for another year. Yeah. Because um, realistically at the end of the day, it's sports marketing. So yeah. they want to be able to get return on investment. And over the last two years, I haven't competed that much and that well. So so yeah, I'll find out soon whether they want to keep me on, whether it's for the same amount of money or less or whether there'll be something different. But uh, but yeah, I've been... Uh, so I was with New Balance probably from the age of 17 or 18 um, until just after the Olympics. And then I signed a contract with Nike. They had me on for two years and then I signed a contract with Under Armour. And yeah, I think it's, it's tough because with athletics... Athletics globally mm. is, even though realistically it is, it has to be one of the most famous sports and the most people do it, yeah. uh, the thing that I think comes with athletics is that it does seem to attract the least amount of money commercially. Uh, and then at the same time, when it does bring in the money, it is very heavily weighted on the Olympics. Mm. Uh, you know, in like we have, a com- we have a Commonwealth Games every four years. And then we have a world champs every two years and there's a lot of European competitions in between that. But realistically, uh, Commonwealth Games, there's only, well, how many countries in the Commonwealth? 50? Yeah. Uh, you know, and then at the same time, you know, say if there's a Diamond League, there's only 15 of those every year. And, you know, how many people are putting on Eurosport back, yeah, back yeah, in Australia? Australia. So, yeah, so imagine the market's just all based in Europe. Yeah, like. exactly, exactly. So, yeah, and then, and, and then the thing as well as that is that athletics in Australia – such a smaller sport as well so uh when you're dealing with you're dealing with the nikes um like i, I remember thinking i remember thinking about this when we were dealing with nike with my my my, man, my manager at the time and he was actually my coach at the time as well i remember thinking okay um i'm an athlete that came 30th at the olympics and my manager wants x amount yeah why would someone realistically want to pay well Okay, if, if you're talking about a pool of money, who would you rather pay? Luke Matthews, who'd come 30th at the Olympics, or Marcus Bontebelli, mm. or Cameron Munster, or... Yeah, like Dusty. Dusty. Yeah. So, like, realistically, because at the end of the day, it's about how many shoes you sell. Yeah. So that's... It's, it's tough in athletics because you don't have that international exposure yeah. all the time, um, or even national exposure. And if you do, it's Commonwealth Games and Olympics weighted, or, you know, you might get a little snippet here and there during a World Champs or whatever. So... Yeah, it's tough. And then, yeah, you're dealing with Australia, which is such a small pool. So, yeah, and it's yeah. LA, LA marketer yeah. and all so, stuff like that. So I was fortunate <laughs> enough, I signed with, when I left my coach, who was also my manager at the tail end of 2017, I went back to my mum for my coach and then I joined an American agent. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how I ended up going with the Under Armour. Uh, but I was put in a spot where Under Armour wanted to invest a lot more in athletics and I was also exposed to the American market. Um, so I was yeah signed a signed a pretty good deal and that's kind of kept me in good stead and been able to pay my bills the last <laughs> last three years, been able to keep the lights on yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, going forward, I mean realistically, it's it's all about your image and and, yeah. and if you're able to sell shoes and and how much you and how good you're performing and um, I haven't been running too much over the last couple of years so um, and yeah and and how you can maybe change that 
I don't know. Yeah. I, I realistically, I don't know because the the closest comparison to athletics is swimming, yeah. and we have you know I think we got a seven Olympic gold, a seven Olympic gold medalist or yeah. something like that in the most recent Olympics. Yeah, the the, oh, the Australian swimming is so dominant. Exactly, that's what I want to say. And yeah. and I still think that the athletes at the highest level in swimming are still having the same issue of hey, how do we get more money into the sport? Mm. I know they've got Gina Reinhart. Yeah, pumping, pumping money, money into it now. I mean, I think Athletics Australia at one point had a had an idea that hey, let's let's find some yeah. schoolionaire to invest some money. But yeah, you know, um, it's almost as if we need some like gun young sprinter who's good looking. Yeah, and well, that's yeah. Well, well, that was the thing with um, that was the thing with Rowan Browning. Yeah, so, yeah. So Rowan's he's signed some pretty good deals since then, and um, I mean, I feel like he'd be pretty comfortable. But realistically, like. I feel like a person like that should be, you know, a bigger name. Mm. Um, Peter Bowl, he was another one where yeah, he really he nailed his image through the Olympics. He came fourth, he ran awesomely, and now he's signing some good deals and he's got some pretty pretty noticeable brands <coughs> supporting him. But yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's how yeah, how do you bring money into a sport that doesn't? Yeah, how do you bring money into a sport that's so heavily mm. weighted on something that's every four years? Yeah. Um. Yeah, personally, like I think that the approach that athletic uh, that swimming did with the, with like having Gina Reinhart, but yeah. I don't know whether that was Gina Reinhart just having a soft spot for ath- for swimming, swimming or vice versa. Um, we tried to do something similar in 2017 to the Big Bash with the Nitro Athletics. Yeah, that got yeah, I that, remember that. Yeah. That got some eyes to the TV, but I'm not not quite sure what happened with that. But but yeah, I don't know. Just you, that needs to be selling the images because the Diamond League, the indoor. That booms in Europe, I believe. Like the indoor and the diamond league, just yeah. the, the, everything like that. It's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a lot easier to be a professional athlete in Europe, Europe and America yeah. than it is Australia. Um, but yeah, I'd say, I'd say from 2019 onwards, um, yeah, maybe around then, I was pretty comfortable, like to be able to like support yeah. myself. But yeah, I, I'd say pre that pre that time, mm-hmm. it will, I, if I didn't have a supportive family yeah. and I wasn't living at home, it probably would have been pretty tough. Um, and yeah, and I look at it now, like in athletics, there's probably, yeah, the the top echelon are, are probably able to support themselves. But if people didn't have supportive parents, they'd be cooked. So yeah, totally. How to bring in more money? I got no idea. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but you, to, your the, your social media helps a lot. You mean you're quite the king on there? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. And that's probably another thing. I like, yeah, I got a got a few followers, and I, you know, but I, it's nothing I've. I've never ever like tr- tried to like yeah. sell myself. Just you, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. totally just you. But yeah, yeah like I'm, that being said, like it's not like I'm making money yeah. off my social media. Yeah. I mean, I've done like a couple of posts here and there where they said sling you some cash. Yeah, <laughs> have you ever had the mo- like the most random brand or something reach out to you? Some insane product. I've had it. Yeah, I've had a few. Pe- I mean, I've got a, I've got a couple. Got a couple. Um, I've got one at the moment. So a Modex or a sports performance. Yeah. Oh like, yeah, um, yep. Um, a drink that look after me. Uh, that's pretty good. I've had. Yeah, I mean, there's been a. Oh, I'm trying to think. Not like Coco Pops have shot <laughs> DM and saying. Oh, <laughs> I reckon Tim Tams hit me up. Once. <laughs> yeah, and Tim Tams hit me up once, and they sent me a Tim Tam coffee and like three packets. What was it like? Oh, I the Tim even, Tam coffee. No, it was so it was it was a coffee oh. mug, and then the, yeah. I'm trying. To, yeah, I would have given you about a thousand boxes of yeah. <laughs> nah, I'd, I'd, I would have. Um, would have eaten them all. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Oh, if I think of one, but yeah, there's been a couple here and there where they've just slung me a bit of product. And, yeah, and um, and yeah, but I don't know. I just 
yeah, it's I, a like, hard fix. If, if people like that whole like influ- that's the whole thing now. Like, oh, hundred percent. I, mate, if I, if I, if I, could, I don't know. I mean, like the idea of just your Instagram being being your job. That's that's awesome. Oh, like, realistically, all you, all you, have to do, <laughs> you just chill at home and then do what you want to do. Taken care of. Yeah, um, I don't reckon Dusty puts up his posts. I can nah, take care of the that. Ralph Car Manager. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, like I, I look at people now that are, that are influencers. Mm. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, you love your sport. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. we've chatted about it before. I mean, who do you look side out of sport that you quite enjoy, like watching in their aura, their presence on Instagram? I mean, you like you like UFC and NBA. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I love I love footy. I love athletics. Yeah. I, like, I, I, there's, I hardly miss a race, hardly yeah. miss anything globally. Um, so I do love athletics and in that, like, I feel like anyone that's on the top, I feel like, and it's, the, it's maybe it's because I myself am a bit of a, bit of a flog, but I feel like <laughs> the ones that come across like that are the ones that I'm drawn to the most. Yeah. And it's not because, it's more that they are confident in themselves mm. and they're outspoken and then they back it up. So Connor, yeah, you exactly. Love Connor, yeah. I love Conor McGregor. Yeah. Um, I just love those people that just and realistically, they're the people that are bringing eyes to the sport. Oh, so totally. They're the pioneers and the innovators of the sport. Yeah, like, who yeah. was doing that before Connor? Exactly. Yeah, else. no one. And like, you know, e- even look at Usain Bolt to an extent. Yeah, you know, totally. like people became athletics fans because of Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt. Uh, but then, yeah, like in in sport, uh, yeah, love my footy. You know, it's it's pretty hard to to not like. Um, Dustin Martin and Bont and um, some of the young people coming up. Like I really, I really like um, Butters from Port Adelaide. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love. He's probably he's probably like one of my favorite players at the moment. Aaron Norton. Mm. Um, yeah, just just those young guns that are yeah. so good at such a young age, and they just they just have that bit of bit of prick about yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, just I like that's why I love Paddy Cripps because he's yeah. always had that and he always yeah. will. Yeah, like he's yeah. always still got that. that yeah. Energy. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's I've just said some of the best players in the sport. So. <laughs> but yeah, I do love my sport. I yeah. um, I remember thinking at one point. I remember it in 2018, I was injured. You know, I would have been 23 at the time. I just turned 23. Mm. I remember thinking, yeah, maybe I could do this category B thing, <laughs> <laughs> make the comeback. Yeah, I had to, to reteach myself how to kick a footy. <laughs> <laughs> would you ever? Because you're a Spotswood boy, would you ever go back down there? Uh, so all my mates play for Spotty now. Yeah. And then they, a lot of them moved from Williamstown to Spotty. And then I grew up playing for Altona. Mm. I've always said that one day I'll play local footy with my mates. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know when it'll be. Because it, it, there's no way that I could, you know, I want to hopefully make Paris Olympics. And yeah. uh, there's no way that I could do both. So, yeah, maybe, what, so 2025, I'll be turning 30 that year. Most blokes retire then. Yeah, I know. I'll probably, I'll probably, wait. I'll probably be playing with 19-year-olds or something. <laughs> Might yeah. have a midlife crisis or something. Yeah. Well, I've had a couple of quarter-life crises. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I mean, I guess now that you're looking at the Paris Olympics, mate, I mean, for a training insight for people listening, I mean, what's that look like in a normal week for you? I mean, when you're full training mode, I mean, how's that look for you like generally? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one. I'll just speak um, about my previous training because going forward, like mm. I've had back-to-back injuries, I've had surgery, I've had I've had cortisones, PRPs, like everything I can to to get my Achilles and uh, and plantar fascia right. So I've d- I've had oh, so so run injuries. Yeah. So w- so going forward, like I think that I'm going to have to be a little bit more creative with what I'm doing going forward because. I've had two years of up and down training, a time off, you know, cross training, whatever it is. But 
previously, um, let's say for the most part of 2015, 16, 17, 18 and 19, um, I'd say in a normal week I'd be hitting 140Ks a week. Uh, that'd be made up of three three sessions. It'd usually be like a track session, uh, an aerobic tempo run. So let's say let's say like ten k or eight, eight to ten k at like three ten pace, um, and then a hills or sp- or like speed speed endurance session. Um, as well as that, I do a Sunday long run every Sunday, which would be about ninety minutes. Yeah, that's a thing in in, oh, <laughs> in running yeah. Sunday long runs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's terrible. Back in my running days. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that'd be like anywhere between 20 to 25K. Uh, and then, you know, away from that, I'd be doing – they'd be made up of jogging, either 60-minute jogs or 30-minute jogs. I pretty much do something twice a day every day. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm not jogging and not doing sessions, I'd do two two weight sessions. So, yeah, um, yeah squatting, deadlifting, uh, a little bit of Olympic lifting here and there, and then core – um, and then, yeah, a lot of strengthening through my hammies, hips, quads, um, wow. core. So, yeah, it's pretty intense. It's, yeah, it's, it's funny because I'm kind of in a bit of a transitional phase now where I'm trying to look for, look for work and, and, and trying yeah, to... Um, next stage of your life. Next stage yeah. of my life type thing. And um, I've had to sit down with interviewers saying, so what, what was it like training? And, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, like, I, it's, it's, like it's fucking taxing. Yeah. Like, I, so I've my partner um, Taylor. She she's d- has never done. Uh, she you know she did, never did any like sport at a high level. Just always did school sport. But um, she like doesn't quite understand the concept of a nap. Like I <laughs> like I can as long as I've been doing this running thing at a let's say a professional level, I've napped almost every day at some time from wow. like somewhere between one and three o'clock for about you know half an hour an hour sometimes if i've had a really tough morning i've slept for two hours mm. and trying to explain that to people is to like just everyday people that i've that like a nap is just ridiculous so yeah it's yeah g- going forward i'm sure that i won't be able to just do i'll probably have to train a little bit less i'll probably have yeah. to do be a bit more creative instead of doing 140 k's i might be, be doing somewhere around 100 and then making it up with a ride once a week or doing oh, mm. yeah, yeah so Brody Fishwick got a bit excited that you were yeah, getting on the bike yeah. for a bit. So yeah, I haven't <laughs> ridden in the past couple of months, but I'm about to I'm about to get a bike and mate, I love biking. I oh, like yeah. The Watt bike too. You, yeah, yeah. yeah. Watt bike was good. I use that for a lot of my cross training. Uh the elliptical, but yeah, riding's awesome. It's it's just so it's so social. It's such a social I like yeah, I, the I remember, coffee. Yeah, like <laughs> I remember one of my first days I did like doing a ninety minute run, there's not many times where I've being like, yeah, fuck yeah, I love this. Yeah, imagine like runners in groups and just yeah. midway through getting a pastry and then yeah. a nice long black and then yeah, the exactly. Run. So you're like Sunday long runs, like doing ninety minutes. That's uh, more often than not, it's a chore. Mm. I went out. My like third ride I ever did was a three hour ride, and I was loving it. Like, I was, <laughs> I, I wanted to do more, um, and I went out the next day as well. So, um, so yeah, I think. Yeah, I'll have to be a bit more creative and yeah. I'll have to, to just because yeah, realistically my body has let me down over the past two years. So yeah. but yeah, more often than not, I was doing two or three sessions a day. Um and yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty intense. I struggle just getting the one session. <laughs> I'm struggling with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess going forward, mate, I mean, you've talked about it a bit, your transition, I guess you're you're in this 
yeah, transitional point between, you know, thinking that running could end soon after the Paris Olympics. I mean, what's going in store going forward for you other than running? Like, what's, what's of high importance to you? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, and, and at the same time, I think going to, I don't know whether it was necessarily going to, going to a private school or whether it was just mum or whatever, or just the people that I hung around with socially was that I feel like with sport, you, you have to give it 100%. Yeah. And it's always one of that things like you've got to put all your eggs in one basket. And, you know, if you're thinking about other things, you're never going to get to a high level. Yeah. I think for me personally, like I was able to approach athletics like 100% whilst like having university on the side. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, maybe just thinking that, yeah, there is a life outside. Because realistically, not many runners run past 30. Yeah. And there's not many people that, you know, maybe besides Usain Bolt, you're going to eventually have to work one day. Even if you play an AFL or an, another sport that pays really well, you're still going to eventually work one day. So, yeah, I think for me, I've always kept uni on the side. And um, as we said off air, I'm in my ninth year of university. <laughs> so I'm in my last semester. I've got two subjects left and I cannot wait to finish. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, going forward, I mean, I um, I really I really like corporate finance. Just yep. the idea of, um, yeah, just, just anything corporate finance. Like, um, you know, traditionally it's like, you know, M&A type stuff, like mergers and acquisition type stuff, yeah. you know, valuation of companies. Um, that that's the type of stuff that really interests me. It's probably fucking boring to all the listeners. Yeah, I was. I thought you were speaking different language. Yeah. Right? Okay. So just <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, I I hopefully one day get a get a mm. get a have a career in corporate finance. Um. Yeah. And I've done it. I've done a done a few internships here and there, and um, hopefully setting yeah. something up soon. But but yeah, going forward, I'd I'd love to over the next few years, I'd love to somehow do both working full time and and um. And doing my career, yeah. and I think now with all this work from home post COVID, it's yeah. it does it does have that flexibility. Um, but so yeah, I'm kind of approaching a, a new, almost a bit of a new chapter in my career. Yeah. Where previously I've all I've done is run. Whereas in going forward, I'll hopefully combine both. I don't know. I might yeah. might run terribly, but I'll I'll let you know. In two years <laughs> <time>. <laughs> but we mentioned before that COVID was almost a little bit of a catalyst for this way of thinking. Yeah, going yeah. forward. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's just one of those things where. Yeah. In in 2020, I was forced. I, I I was I was injured, and I was I was hobbling around on my torn planner, hoping that I would make it to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, I'm just going to have to like just put up with pain. I remember I got a cortisone, and I think you can get three cortisones in a year. And I was thinking, yeah, I'd had one, and I was like, all right, I probably might have to get another one soon. I remember just thinking, I'll do everything I can to make the Olympics. And then I don't want to like COVID came yeah. and. Obviously, it was an incredibly terrible time of the world. Yeah. But it was there was a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel for me in the sense that the Olympics got delayed and I thought, all right, I can get my body get right. right. Yeah. So I was I had forced, like, although I, although, um, I needed my body to get right, like, I was forced to not do anything, as anyone was. Um, so, yeah, in that time, it kind of gave me good perspective in, in my situation in that I was able to focus on... I was able to focus on things like post... Post athletics, I got time to focus on my university, and it also kind of made me realize, hey, like, um, you know, there might be a day, a time where I have to stop. I'm, I won't be getting paid for athletics, or I won't be, I won't be able to do this going forward. So, yeah, I, it just it made me realize where I wanted to be, and you know, 2020, 2021, it just more like learning more about my university, where it can take me, has probably realized, okay, this is exactly where I want to be in my career. Um, and yeah, as I touched on previously, although I want to hopefully combine both working and running, it's also going to be one of those things where 
realistically Under Armour might drop me tomorrow. Yeah. And although I want to work, I might have to work because, um, you know, you can't, uh, you can't eat hopes and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Would you ever coach? Would you ever coach down the track? Yeah, I've done, I've done a bit of coaching yeah, here and there. Yeah. And um, I, I coach, I coach a couple of people online at the moment just because, and it's, and that's, I, I like I'm, I'm get paid for it, but it's more just because I want to do it. But, but yeah, I've done some school coaching here and there and, um, I've done a bit of coaching for my mum who's got her own group and um, yeah, but I'm not sure. Maybe one day. I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it not as a, I'd love to do it more for a passion. Mm. Um, but then at the same time, I think that, and this is, I, I really love grassroots athletics yeah. and I love, I love school sports. I love national championships at juniors. But I think if I was to coach, I'd really, I'd, 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 I'd at, the, at the moment, I'd want to coach someone at like an Olympic level. Um, but realistically, you got to get the runs on the board before yeah. you start coaching, a, uh, you know, like a Peter Bolt. Totally. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe when I'm retired, maybe I'll hopefully, st- maybe I'll start something up. But yeah. Uh, f- but for now, um, I'm more than happy to just help out a school here and there when I when I can. Yeah, I miss your Strava post. I mean, I've had a yeah, <laughs> yeah. My actually, yeah, my Strava. <laughs> I still go on it every now and then. Um, but yeah, Strava's good. I love, I love Strava. And I, I well, I, what I, runner doesn't? Yeah, but this is the thing, <laughs> right? So I reckon I started Strava in 2013, and no one was on it. No one was on the it. Fir- the pioneer. I'm not going to say the pioneer. <laughs> another runner got me onto it, but I was one of the first, like one of the first, like for, I, I feel like one of the first in. Because I feel like back then there was a lot of s- cyclists on it. Yeah. And then I got onto Strava around then, and then a lot of the Melbourne runners got onto it. Now it's now it's become bigger and bigger. But yeah, I remember all these people in COVID because they could only ride, run. Yeah. I got I, I got a wave of followers. Yeah. And now all these people I follow, they're fucking off Strava. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of them. Yeah. Ghost followers. <laughs> yeah, it's like those fake finance accounts on Instagram yeah, that hit you yeah, up on crypto. Yeah. yeah so, but yeah, no, nah, I love Strava. I um, yeah. I'll once I'm back training, I'll put everything back up yeah. there. But yeah, I, I I'm I feel like with Insta- social media, anything I love knowing what people are doing. Yeah, not, not, not that it like it's bothers. got that it's got that community like that feel yeah, about yeah. it. Strava's checking who's got that um the yeah. segment and yeah. who's yeah. <laughs> tackling like, it down. I feel like social media can be bad in a sense where like you get annoyed at things. But yeah, I just, comparison. Like, I think I'm just a bit nosy. Not nosy sounds bad, but <laughs> I just like knowing what people are doing. Doing and yeah. like uh, now that I'm you know trying to get some professional mm. experience in work like i love going on linkedin as well yeah because it's like i love knowing where people work and then at the same time struggle i love i love seeing where people run and i also also it's like a curiosity thing as well it's like if i see a runner from sydney doing this session more often than not i'll message him being like hey why'd you do that and it's yeah. not because i want to do it it's more just like oh why is there yeah so I love Strava, <laughs> but because I'm not uploading on it at the moment because I'm in, well, yeah. coming back from an injury I'm not using as much, yeah. but when I was uploading, I was scrolling on it for yeah, hours. I was seeing what people and like seeing people's growth and seeing yeah. what they're doing there and seeing this bloke smashing it. Like, yeah, it's to- you're totally right. It's yeah, totally right. no, Strava's awesome. Yeah, so we've got a few, uh, well, I guess listener follow-up questions, yeah. mate. Um, you're ready to answer. I'll put you on the spot with this one because I didn't really touch base well, before it. Well, to be honest, with you, when you <laughs> sent me through the um, uh, run sheet, yeah. I didn't look at it because I don't. I don't like, <laughs> I, I, no, no, and I'm not saying that because um, we touched on that. Yeah. I, I, I feel like 
I feel like these things are better when they're just natural and it's a conversation. Yeah, so well, it's definitely because we know each other, we're mates. Yeah. But yeah, but, yeah, definitely. But with um, yeah, but I reckon with podcasts in the past, or even sometimes like I've done a presentation at a school. Yeah, they said, "Oh, these are the questions," and I've like I naturally I like would want Push would not away. even open up the attachment. Yeah, because uh, uh, yeah, I like just kind of doing things on the spot. Yeah, I've been caught out a couple of <laughs> times. <laughs> well, good, good. I got these ready for you. So. Yeah. The first one is, is it true your favourite local footy club is the Tirandara Doggies? Woof, woof, woof. <laughs> <laughs> and you could probably guess who this came from out of the boys. It was probably Spartan or Tex. Nah, yeah, 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 it was Tex, yeah. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, I, what, what's it called? Tir- Tirandara. Yeah. Oh, we've got a photo of us yeah, yeah. Um, on the s- Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, so <laughs> Tirandara, I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mika was like, yeah, all the boys playing Tirandara. They're playing the grand final. I was like, oh, yeah, nice. I get there and I pretty much everyone bar a handful were playing. So we were, yeah, do I love it? Yeah, it was awesome because <laughs> I joined in on Silly Sunday and Mad Monday and <laughs> I felt like I was part of the premiership team even though I was there for like a week. But uh, yeah, some good memories. And then everyone went back to the club rooms on that Saturday yeah, night. That was night. that was an awesome night. Um, yeah, it's probably my favourite social football club <laughs> just because of that one weekend. The one weekend, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stands out. Um, the next one is, oh, we've touched on it a bit, but I guess roughly how many kilometres are you ticking off a week and how many gym strength sessions a week? Yeah, so I'd say, I'd say it's 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 one of those things. But yeah, if I'm in a if I'm in a good training block and I don't have too many races coming up, I'll probably hit around one forty. Yep. Um, wow. r- yeah, race weeks. I felt like I was pretty fresh. I felt like I was pretty fresh leading into a race. Where I was doing somewhere around 100, 100 to one hundred and twenty. But then there's times like. You know, like if I look at my training leading into com games, I was probably I probably only did like sixty to eighty k in that week. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where, you know, before a games a ninety minute run a week before is probably going to do more harm than good. So you drop some of the aerobic stuff and you do more of the quality stuff. So, um, so yeah, let's say race week I'm probably somewhere around one hundred to one hundred and ten. And a good solid training block. I'm consistently at 140. Mm. Uh, but there was times when I remember I went to Falls Creek uh, for a training block, and I did five. I did four weeks back to back of 155 k's, um, and that's for an 800 meter runner as well. I was running 800. That was before a nas- before the national championships, and I was running 800. So I was probably doing probably for some people in that field. I was probably doing triple or even wow. four four times what their weekly k's were. Um, and then gym sessions, yeah. Probably try to do two to three, probably two yeah. consistently. Um, what do you bench? Fucking <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> no idea. No idea. Yeah, I no, reckon so when I was playing footy, I reckon I got somewhere around maybe 65, 70. Yeah. But you would have weighed about that then. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> I play, yeah. Yeah, when I so I reckon when I was playing at the Jets, I was, I reckon I was 5'9 or 5'10, mm. and I was like 73. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. But then now I'm like six pushing six one and race weight I'd be like sixty nine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to be honest with you, I always say like when I get fit, all my mates like give me shit about my arms. But I'm saying that's a compliment. I want my arms. Like, yeah, that means I'm ready to <laughs> skinny. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know you're ready. Yeah, yeah. like the skinnier they are, the better. Mm. Um, yeah, I, that could definitely go down <laughs> a bad approach there, but. 
It, yeah. <laughs> I know how my arms look when I'm fit. <laughs> um, so the last one, mate, you can probably guess as well where this came from. What is the best pre-race beverage for hydration purposes? Hashtag Waterfords. <laughs> where did this come about? Bro, bro sent that one in. Yeah, Waterfords. <laughs> um, so... Best pre. Well, if I'm if I'm going on uh, if I'm going on the record, I'll say Modex, my sponsor. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't had to. I mean, recently I haven't raced, but yeah, usually pre race, I'll, I'll usually just try smash Gatorade and Powerade, yeah. just because it kind of doubles. It's like it's like liquid carbs. Mm. So um, I really struggle to eat on the yeah. day of the race just because I get so nervous. So if I'm having a Powerade, it's it's full of carbs, it's full of sugar, and it's 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 hydrating me at the same time. So, um, but yeah, Waterford's oh. So I don't know what it is, right? So Waterfords, I reckon they only used to be sold in IGAs or, mm. or yeah, or IGAs. But I was in Falls Creek one year and I remember I saw this saw this drink and it was like for a, a one litre bottle, it was like 20 calories or something like that. And it was this, and I was like, oh, screw it. It was Appleberry Diet Waterfords. Yeah, they're good. Dylan Barr smashed them. <laughs> yeah, so I got it. And I remember thinking, this is amazing. <laughs> and then every time I'd go to Falls Creek, I'd literally go to the IGA and I'd just get as many <laughs> as I could, as many as I could. And I I just, I remember I just started, I just started putting them on my Instagram stories. Mm. And then I remember people would be like, oh, are these pretty good? Are these pretty good? Are these good? And I'd be like, yeah, they are. And then now, like that, for example, all these people are like, oh, how good's water? <laughs> I fucking got you onto that, didn't I? Yeah, but that's like me with the 196s. <laughs> oh, I swear I was the first one. I, yeah. I, on the record, I swear. Yeah, no. Nah, <laughs> and they're pretty good too. Um, but not pre-race. Uh, but yeah, the Waterfords are good because they're, they're, they're one litre. They're, I mean, I don't... I probably should have a look at the chemicals and mm, stuff that are in yeah. it. But yeah, if you look at it, just the, the calories, it's just a good tasting drink and it's for one litre, it's like... Yeah, I think it's 30 calories to one litre. And, yeah, it's awesome. And they're good as well. It's like you can mix – they taste good. You mix them with vodka. You can have them <laughs> You can have them on a training camp because it's sparkling water and um, – It's flavour. It's flavour. Um, what about post-race? Like you've had a big win and yeah. the boys are on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just a good night's sleep and a protein shake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nah, to be honest with you, um, yeah, a lot of – if I've had a Nationals, it's – yeah, it, it depends what it is. If I'm in the middle of a season, mm. I uh, I usually try to have like yeah a pizza and a beer and not not get it, not let it get out of hand and then so that I can get up the next mm. day. But yeah, if it's nationals, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nah. yeah, you have to let go of the cart and dry and let it sit in there. Yeah, if I've if I've got a big race, I I, I really like, um, I really emotionally I'm one of those people that like really ha- like has to. I feel like when I race well, it's when I've got mm. a big emotional connection to it. Yeah. So like, usually a lot of time, maybe with those celebrations, well, when I cross the finish line or whatever, it's, it is massive, yeah, massive oh, emotional totally. release, and um, and yeah, and a lot of the time I do like to I do like to go out afterwards, and oh, people forget who criticise that. It's like, like there's four, it's years of hard work, and like yeah. you've been just sacrificing yeah. so much, and yeah. then you know let them let the head in. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like they see the boys who yeah. go out Mad Monday and just on these benders. It's like oh, I could not care. Like do <laughs> yeah. what they want respectfully, yeah. but like no, yeah, I just. Yeah, the, the the footy ones are the that I mean like yeah. the people that are reporting on Mad Monday like get off get off it yeah um yeah so yeah mid season I usually try to have a beer and a, and yeah. just like a burger or a pizza or something um yeah. and then and then so that I'm up for the next day and then I usually I actually usually try to get protein yeah. even though I was taking the piss before I do yeah. try to get protein <laughs> shaking or something like that so that I am recovering recovering yeah um and then 
but it's it's also a weird one as well. So because because I'm doing eight hundreds and fifteen hundreds, a lot of the time I'm like dealing with heats and finals and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, it's just after another. Yeah, after so another. sometimes like I'll be going for a run, mm. getting a protein shake in, and then I'll get a massage, mm. be in the boots, get like good carbs in, and then it's just like all over again. Um, but yeah, I'll tell you what's a good carb, a good meal at your local Ascot Bow. Yeah. Did, did the boys we went when we had Benny Malcolm's yeah, yeah, yeah. around the corner and the dimmies yeah uh, the dimmies are oh, <laughs> the dimmies are incredible yeah that's yeah. coming from a half Filipino man who's well Thank acquainted you. yeah They're beautiful like, Mate, oh, the best thing and the any. chicken the chicken was unreal. yeah yeah oh, I don't even, the wait which, I've had the palmer I don't know which yeah, I had the palmer as yeah. well I had the chicken the palmer the dimmies <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, the dimmies are awesome. Great They're the pub. best thing on the menu, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, apart from the beer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess my, my question is, um, where do you see yourself in five years, mate? Where, what's your, what are you hoping? And then uh, that's um, my question for you as we wrap things up, mate. Where does yeah. Luke Matthew see himself in five years? Hopefully I've won that $120 million tats lotto. Yep. <laughs> <Done>. <laughs> uh, where do I see myself? Yeah. Um, well, I've got a fiancé, so I'm, I'm engaged mm, to yeah. her. So... Uh, hopefully married, unless she realizes <laughs> not, unless she realizes I'm no good. <laughs> uh, married. Uh, I mean, if I look at look at it on in sport, I'd love to say that I'm a two time Olympian. I'd love to say that I'm a a national record. Uh, maybe it's a, a national record holder. I'd love yeah. to say that I'm a I'm a current four time national champion. I'd love to say I'm a five or six time or even more. Um, hopefully, I'm an Olympian again and a, an Olympic finalist. Um, yeah, I've still got a. I'd still like to think that I, I think twenty twenty two will be tough to get back, but yeah. I'd like to think that twenty twenty three with the world champs, um, I'd like to think that I've got a couple of good good runs at a, at a few campaigns, um, and then yeah, so yeah, sport, uh, yeah, I'd love to just just all the just all those achievements. I've I've never broken a national record, so I'd. I'd when I when I qualified for the Olympics in 2016, I just remember thinking that the next thing was I'd definitely break the national record, and I, I never got around to it. So I'd love to do that one day, whether it's the 800 or the 1500 or the mile or or, or something around there. Um, and yeah, and then away from that, realistically, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, l- l- even though I was kind of touched on before, I yeah, hopefully, hopefully married. Um, I'm not sure, yeah, not sure about kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I I just I'd, I'd love to say if in five years time I'm retired, I'd love mm. to just be happy with my career and have no regrets. I'd love to be in a field where professionally I'm working in somewhere I love. I'd love to be, yeah, hopefully owning a house and doing all those cool things. It's, yeah, it's funny. It's like, I think now when I was younger, I probably would have said, what do you, where would you like to be when you're 32 or something like that? It's yeah. like, yeah, mansion and, house <laughs> yeah. and this and that. It's like, yeah, I just I just love to just be happy with what I'm doing, and um, yeah, I don't know. I think another thing as well is is that I feel like with athletics or even AFL yeah. or whatever it is, I feel like a lot of the time it's like a lot of the time it's like oh, you'll get into coaching and stuff. And my mindset right yeah. now is I I couldn't see myself being a coach, but I'd love to be involved in athletics in a positive way. Yeah, and totally. I'd love to be doing it community development or yeah, something. Yeah. And I'd love to be doing it not necessarily in a sense where it's like, oh, that's my paycheck. I'd love to be doing it in an like almost in like a way where I can help because it is my passion. Yeah. Um I mean at the moment I feel like there's ways where I think think athletics could comp- could improve. Um but at the same time, you know, I need to worry about my own athletics yeah. career and what, what and and whatever, but I'd love to be somewhat involved in athletics where I'm helping it um positively. 
one for the athletes, one for the future of the sport, and one for just bringing making athletics cool again. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah. If I'm not running, doing that, and then yeah, just just being happy with happy yeah. with. Ha- I reckon by then I've got one dashing the sausage dog. I reckon. By then <laughs> yeah, I'll you have, do. I reckon I'll have about three or four. <laughs> um, and then yeah, hopefully a sausage party. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully got a uh, yeah a nice job yeah. and yeah living in a suburb I want to and yeah yeah hopefully I still got the same group of mates and there'll be no hopefully in that mate I guarantee you'll get all those things mate yeah I, uh, I absolutely appreciate you coming on the I guess the the return episode mate we've been working hard out and bloody love you mate and all the best in the yeah. next five years thanks for having me on I'll we'll have to um I we'll have to do a Paula reunion uh, yeah because I feel like you know the boys <laughs> live there now. But, Mate, I, just Malks, just Benny's down there on the farm. On his farm, yeah. So maybe he'll have to. Um, the farm dwarf. Yeah, the farm dwarf. Yeah, happily. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do that. Yeah, probably in an October postseason. Yeah. Done. <laughs> nah, we'll organise it. Thank you, Luke. You yeah. appreciate it, mate. Love Thanks you. for having us on, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you.